0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your long-lost host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Jeff Klossy. Hey Jay. It's been a while. It has. We missed like
1: two weeks. We did. Well, holidays. No, I imagine no, no, one was, no one was looking for us.
0: No excuses, no regrets. <laughs> That's what I say.
1: I can't believe... We really blew it. Do
0: you think people were... <laughs> People were clamoring. I don't know about you, but my phone com- was being blown up yes. with people going, Where's the podcast? Where's yes. the podcast?
1: January or December 24th, you know, eight o'clock at night. People were wondering, Where is that podcast from this week? Yeah. No, I don't think
0: so. We didn't, yeah, we didn't have time to record it because we were playing FIFA online.
1: Exactly. Which We was had fun. more important things to yeah, do. We had more important
0: things to do, <laughs> like play FIFA. We just, by the way, so yeah, Jeff and I with our sons teamed up and played online, which soccer. Yeah, FIFA, soccer. Sorry, soccer. Football, yeah, um, and man, that do, do you feel old? Like when, yeah, realizing that we could. play? you said at one point you could not have sounded older. But at one point during the game, and we're talking over it, you said, "I just think it's so amazing that we are able to like play this." I know with each
1: other across you know the internet. Well, I was putting myself in my kids' look like, when I was their age, thinking yeah. this was like not even a wish, like that you could do that. And Jay and I being older, even the way we're communicating is like a normal phone call with speakerphone on, which is probably not high tech either. Like I'm sure like if they were doing it, they'd be using some app to talk with each other or. They would, but it would sound worse. That's what I've
0: noticed. They don't, they, they do talk to each other over the headsets, but it's hard to understand. Yeah. So if it
1: wouldn't have been for FIFA, we would have had a podcast out, but you got it. You only can do so much.
0: You can only do so much. And FIFA evidently trumped that. So, um. So we're, we're making podcasts great again. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Here
1: we go. <laughs> if you don't know what Jay's referring to, you'll have to listen to the sermon from this last Sunday. <laughs> just, I like, keep, just listen closely. Can, can
0: you just let people know that you, we tell people, I, I'm disappointed when people are texting during church. So you texted during
1: church. Yeah, Jay said something that uh, immediately I had to text a friend of mine named Robbie Helene and say, all, all the text said was, Jay just said, colon, and then I put in there what you said. Well, you can say what I
0: said. I said, okay. we're going to make... Okay, I was trying to get can...
1: people to listen to the sermon if they didn't know what I said. Well, they'll to. still, okay. they'll either want to or not. But... Make quiet times great again. And I found it so funny. And uh, so then Robbie, you know, he was actually paying attention, but he was 10 minutes behind, so he was ready for when that came. Yeah, he girded. Yeah, he <laughs> He's was <girded> ready. <laughs> and ready and I didn't hear it, anything so. else you said after that, so I
0: yeah, so so we're gonna that with podcast now too. I don't, it just it popped in. That was one of those things that popped into my head, and two things happened. One, the, there's always the voice inside my head that like is acts as the filter, and he was not happy with it, but the other one didn't care, and so it just came out. But then the other one drew a hard line at trying to pronounce the acronym in real time, because instead of who knows was, what that sounds like right exactly like my the other part of my brain as i'm trying to do that is like no you do not know what this is gonna, what's going to come out of your mouth right now you could you you definitely anybody that has done a lot of public speaking knows you got to be careful about there are certain things you have to be careful about on the fly because you until you say it out loud you don't know what you might accidentally say and acronyms are at the top of the list of don't sound out acronyms <laughs> unless you know right unless you have already processed that and you know what it sounds like so um, but it turns out it have been fine. It was Maticuidga. Um, m- 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 t- wait,
1: Maticuidga. It's hard when it's a Q right away. A- M-Q.
0: Oh, Mcquit- Mcquitiga. That's what it was. Yeah, that's Mcquitiga.
1: hard to say. I mean, I you're from like Eastern a, Europe. Yeah. Mquidga. All right, the, anyway. The point you were making, though, at that time, so about quiet times and how they can be, like they don't have to be how they always have been. You right. know, so say you think about having time with Jesus in, in the word and in prayer, and you're like, eh. I don't know, it just hasn't gone well, or it's stale, or I've been doing the same thing forever. I think your point was a really good one because it doesn't have to always be how it always was. And we need to be reminded of that in the new year.
0: Yeah, and sometimes we overcomplicate things, and I think we try to, we are classically, as Christians, we keep trying to find a new thing that will add excitement to our relationship with God and what God's encouragement throughout scripture is, is to return to the basics of like, because he is plenty exciting, right? Like in the mission that he's given us is plenty exciting. We don't need to add things to it to make it full of life. That actually ends up often being a distraction. And so often the answer is if you're feeling stale in like, just in your faith, like we just need to take a step back and realize, well, the problem is internally with me then, because the problem isn't that God has gotten more boring over the last you know, a couple of years or whatever. Um, and the problem isn't that he is less of who he is. Like clearly it's it's my perception of it. And when that happens, getting back to um, the basics of that is is often what I find to be really fruitful.
1: Yeah, I do too. Uh, that was a really important new year talk, uh, new sermon about a topic that really, it's one of those things that some of us can really take for granted. And then some of us, it's not on our radar at all. So I think it was a really well-timed, I'm curious though because it was broad. It was a broad topic and you could have spoken for hours on it. Yes. What Aren't what was lied. there? <laughs> I had FIFA to play, Jay. That's right. Had... <laughs> what was it that uh you had to leave out or that didn't quite make it into the sermon that would be helpful to talk through?
0: Well, part of it was I spent so much time on the value of just being immersed in the actual Bible again, like we just the the talking about the how many in resources that we have now and and how that can distract us like they can be a great help but they can also be a great distraction and so I wanted to be really careful about I don't want to disparage books and commentaries and teachings and sermons and certainly not the community of God's people like discerning God's word together that's what has always happened but I wanted to just say hey there's a gift to be able to there's something special and specific and unique about God's word. I mean, it is what's God's word is what's authoritative. Our interpretations are not. Um, the Holy Spirit makes the Word of God living and active. That's not what happens with other. You know, if you're reading a a book that some author wrote about um, the Gospel of John, that's not the same thing as reading John. Reading someone's thoughts about, uh, you know, John 15 is not the same thing as as John 15. And so I really wanted to hammer that home of saying that it's good um, to be immersed in God's actual word. And I wanted to spend most of my time refuting the main objection to that, which is I, I can't understand it. I read it and I don't understand it. When I read this other person and what they say about it, now I understand it. And I really wanted to make sure that that was hammered home, that well, what we're saying in there is that then all of God's word is supposed to be understood by human minds, and so you're you're always then watering down or at least narrowing the scope of Scripture to whatever that person is saying about it in that moment. Um, but also uh, wanted to push back against the idea that the main idea is to understand it always and, and forgetting that there's just beauty in the process of wrestling with God's Word. So in that there were like I I thought about all the wonderful things that come from just immersing myself in God's word and sitting in it before I run um, to get answers elsewhere. And so I cut out a whole section of things that I'm like, these are just benefit. These are things that happen when you are willing to take that step of just immersing yourself in God's word and not immediately jumping to study notes, commentaries, books, Google articles, or like I said, just abandoning it. Um, and one of the, one of those things was just the, is humility. Like just... Humility and understanding um, that a lot of issues in scripture are complex there are a lot of things that I hear Christians talk about and like well obviously if you just read the Bible then you would know this is the case and I'm thinking that's way more complex in the Bible what they're really doing is parroting what somebody else has said about it um, you know one of the clearest examples to me that I thought about was I mean there are a couple of clear examples one is baptisms like baptism and mode of baptism um that's a complex issue in Scripture. Um, I'm convinced of a particular view, like I'm convinced of credo baptism, um, believers baptism, that you repent and then you're baptized. But there is a biblical case to be made for infant baptism. I don't find it convincing, but there's a humility that comes with that because I I know the texts that they're going to, and I'm like, that's that is complex. Um, you could talk about that with end times. There are people who speak very authoritatively about what's going to happen in the end times, but they don't actually know that none of that stuff is, you know, some of those things aren't in scripture. So you have people who talk very authoritatively about rapture and then not realize that the word rapture is never in scripture. Or they'll talk about the Antichrist and you realize like the only time Antichrist is mentioned is plural and it's not even in Revelation. So like these ideas that you... um that like just immersing in scripture itself brings a real humility. And then the flip side of that is a real confidence then in the things that are clear in scripture. So when I'm immersed in scripture, uh, then I have, I have humility about the things that are complicated and complex and nuanced. And I have extra confidence in the things that are very clear over and over again, like the deity of Christ, uh, sacrificial atonement, like the atonement of our sins, uh, God's grace, like salvation coming through grace alone, um, God's sovereignty, God's love and care for his creation. Like, there are so many things that I get to speak, I can speak more boldly and more authoritatively about and feel more convicted about because it's so clear in scripture. So, does that make sense? Like,
1: it does. And I think knowing firsthand, like, through, I mean, I, the word that comes to mind or the phrase that comes to mind is self discovery, but its it's not what I really mean. I mean, like, that you learned and God spoke to you as you read is way more valuable and, and I think the humility part comes from from realizing there's more than one way to read this passage mm-hmm. and it's actually okay that it's more than there's more than like that's not the end of the world sometimes I think we're so caught up with we need certainty right we have certainty on the most important things the ones you just listed right but there's so many things that we believe and that have actually historically divided us that they don't need to. And part of that, I think, part of the antidote to that is actually knowing the word and where does the where does the disagreement come from? What are the verses like you mentioned, the the with baptism or um well, yeah, or, or some of you, the controversial things, you know?
0: Yeah. If you think about if it's hard for you to understand, then that's automatically going to give you a humility when someone else is struggling to understand it. Yep. But what we tend to do is I hear a pastor speak about something, so then I'm very confident in a thing that I would not have been confident about in just the Scripture, which makes me judgmental towards somebody who doesn't hold that same view or is struggling with it. And you ever think about the fact that if God, God does make some things very clear in Scripture? Yes. And then other things are not. Do you think that's because God couldn't figure out how to make it clear? Like when the disciples say to him, why do you speak in parables? Do you think, like, what do you think Jesus' response to that is? Is he saying like, oh, man, I just thought it would be a good tool, but evidently you guys aren't getting it, so I guess I'll try something else. No, he knows exactly what it's accomplishing. And so when God gives us texts that are hard to understand, he knows exactly what he's accomplishing in that. And, the, and so, yeah, you're right. Like that personalized um, conviction that can happen in it. I think intimacy, then the aha moments that happen, then the intimacy you feel with the Holy Spirit. So think about this, like, and I've had this experience. I've listened to a preacher and they've communicated something in a way that really struck me. And I feel a connection with that preacher or an author read, like you have some favorite authors. I have some favorite authors that I just love. And we have friends who do that. Like that we love, I just love, you know, I love it when you come into my office and you have something that, you know, God is teaching you in that, like there's a connection that happens there. So those are good. I'm not saying don't have those. You absolutely should. But how much more would we want to have that connection with the Holy Spirit? And that's what happens when you're immersed in scripture, you're wrestling with a passage and then the Holy Spirit gives you insight. You feel that intimacy, that connection um, with him. And, And that's what we want. We, want, we just. So I, I hope that people got that when I was bringing up all those things that, again, I'm not saying those other things are bad. I'm saying that they are good in their proper place. And the major thing we should be doing is immersing ourselves in God's word in community with one another. That should be our primary thing. So even the sermon is different than a book. So I, I lumped all those things together. But remembering that a sermon is specific for a specific group of people in a specific time. So I would categorize sermons from outside of your church are like books. So I listen, I'll listen. listen to a sermon. I, you know, I, Sometimes I listen to like Martin Lloyd-Jones. And so it's some sermon from the early 60s or whatever and it's spoken to some other group of people. I think of that like I think of a book that I'm reading. But a sermon in your local church is different. Like that's meant to be like God's word for God's people in a specific time, in a specific place. And there is a power in that. Even if um, you know, you could rightly, if you are part of our church, you could hear a sermon from me on a particular text, and then go and look up fifty preachers who preach that same passage better than me. But it's not going to be different. I mean, it'll be different because it wasn't it wasn't intended. Like the sovereign God of the universe did not put that preacher in front of you in that moment in that time. Um, and God does work that way. So
1: he does, and it's. I think the, the missing ingredient often is the relational aspect Yeah, with the sermon and with interacting with God and his word. To right. me, that's a common issue that we miss that this is not just information. It's not just a data dump that we need to just get into our brain. It's a relational experience with a real person.
0: Right. Yeah, that relationship... And ultimately that's what we were driving at with this. Like the quiet time is about relationship and it's about it's about connecting and being ministered to by the Holy Spirit and, and participating in that. And so I did think it would be good, Jeff, to kind of shift gears. And, and I did try to get practical, but it was kind of towards the end. Um, and so I thought it would be good. I wondered if there were some things that you could share Um, Because you, if people don't know, you uh, were a big wig for Navigators, which Navigators is a campus ministry or started as a campus ministry. Um, Navigators are there. There's kind of like I look at the the big three. There's like three on the Mount Rushmore of campus ministries typically Um, in my mind. I'm sure other people would have others. But of those, like each one of them kind of has their strength or their thing that like they trumpet. Well, the Navigators are the undisputed heavyweight champions of the quiet time. Like, every time I knew of Navigators, like, they memorize the Bible and they have quiet
1: times. Um, Yep, which is both good and bad. So I'll tell you a funny story. Go, Yeah, please. Okay, so uh, freshman year at Eau Claire, Claire, which is where Mm -hmm. I met the Navigators. Um, Who knows what it's going to be like living in a dorm, right? Like, wild and crazy, whatever. Well, my... Freshman year experience, my RA, so the the student who's kind of in charge of the floor to oversee it, um, was a was a navigator guy, fellow navigator guy, and as I got to know him, this wasn't like immediately, but as I got to know him, he would not let me come in his room unless I had had a quiet time that day. Now, that was (laughs) not good in hindsight because. The motivation to connect with Jesus shouldn't be so I can do something with someone else and they won't allow me to do it unless I do that. Like, that is not the best motivation. But for me at the time, the the positive part about that is I thought, oh my word, there's a guy, I actually think he's a really cool guy. He's really fun to be around and he's taking this so seriously that he's talking with me about it. And that was a really good thing. So it was kind of like both, both good and bad. But um, so that was my you know, 18-year-old experience of the Navigators and then went on to work for them vocationally for 13 years. And uh, quiet time is a big deal. It really is. And for me, um, that story I just shared about the, the, the pluses and the downsides has kind of been my experience of quiet times. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had seasons of what I would say my connection with God of the daily connection with him has been awesome and life-giving, and then I've had seasons and days where it's just dry and it's discipline and duty a lot more than delight. Um, I can say, Jay, one thing that it really helped me, a light bulb moment. Um, so I'm wired, depending on your wiring as you listen listening to this, this may or may not be helpful, but my wiring is to learn. I love to learn. It doesn't matter the topic. Just give me a documentary, I'll watch it. And I tend to um, default towards treating the Bible that way that this is a project to learn because I'm curious and I want to be able to articulate clearly what I believe. Well, if you treat, if for me, as I treated my quiet times as primarily an intellectual exercise, the days when I couldn't, like what Jay was describing, not being able to figure out the answer or figure out what this means, those days for me were not life-giving because it felt like a failure. Mm. Because my goal is to just learn Um, what really helped me was the the idea that there is a time to bring intellectual rigor to the Bible. There really is. That's an important thing, and we need to be doing that. Jay and I do that when we preach. We really do. But the daily quiet time for me has had to shift from being my primary intellectual time to heavily relational with God, where I still do want to learn. That's always going to be who I am, but my goal is to connect with him not to just get some new nugget for the day. So what that means is that even as I'm reading the Bible, my prayer time and my Bible reading time actually become much more united. It's not that I have like mm-hmm. a segment of right. Bible, a segment of prayer, I'm interacting with God as I'm reading the Bible. So it's like, I don't know what that means, God. I'll just tell him that without like sitting there and waiting for an answer. I'll say, I don't get this or that's encouraging God as I'm reading it. Um, I love the Psalms and so right now I'm, I'm on a plan where I will read Psalms in the morning and evening and in 30 days I will have read all the Psalms and I've done that before and for me that's a great rhythm because I experience more of them at once so sometimes I like to do a whole bunch of, of reading at one time and sometimes I'd like to do a paragraph at a time it just depends on where I'm at so for me too I should say two things so one is Quiet time is not primarily an intellectual exercise of learning. It's primarily connecting with the living God. And two, quiet time does not have to be rigid in format and in duration. All of that can be helpful when you're getting started to have, here's how I want to do it. I'm going to break it into time slots. And But if, if you are so rigid with the format, I think you could miss out on, a bigger and and maybe wider breadth of experience with God uh, each day. So those two things, being flexible with those things um, has been really helpful for me, brought a lot of life to it, that there's not just one way to do this.
0: Right. Well, and you mentioned the wiring. That's so interesting because I am wired for performance. So what always would hinder me is like I want our optimization. Like I, I want I chase perfection, which is comical. Anybody that knows me, cause you're like, well, you fail a lot. Yes, that's true. Like I, <laughs> um, but then like I'll get paralyzed by it. if I can't do it perfectly, I feel like I shouldn't have done it at all. So, so I would always get tripped up of like, it had to be okay. Well, I have to, it has to be this much time. It has to, I have to read this much and I need to have, <clears throat> excuse me, this like aha moment. So for me, instead of like the learning all this stuff, it was like, it's supposed to be this aha kind of mountaintop experience. And if I didn't get that, then I felt like it was because I was doing it wrong, which would then make it so um, I wouldn't do it because I couldn't figure that out. And I had seasons, and almost what made it worse was I had seasons where all of that worked, where I did fire on all cylinders. And I'm like always chasing that again. Like, why can't it be like that season where, you know, where I was having those moments all the time? And one thing that helped me, I mean, two things have helped me specifically. One is the power of a reading plan. And so just knowing and, and, and not worrying about stopping at every word. Like, um, I, I'd gotten into like inductive Bible study for a while. I had all the different color highlighters, and I'm going to highlight every, well, everything I see in this and in green and then everything in pink. That just slowed me down to the point where I just didn't do it. And I forgot um, the joy of just reading the Bible. So for me... Um, this will sound, these are sound like conflicting things, but they both have been helpful. One is to feel the freedom to just read big swaths of scripture. And if I read several chapters and I underline one word in the whole thing, that's okay. It doesn't, I didn't not finish the assignment. It just, um, so, so reading plans help me with that of just knowing that my plan is just to, I'm just going to read that, you know, today. And, um, but then the other way is that when I've read things, is to just keep reading until I feel until I feel God's presence, until I'm aware of that and I feel like I'm just having a moment. And it could be confusion over a passage. It could be frustration over something. It could be something that's encouraging. It could be something that's challenging, convicting, any of those things. But it drives me to prayer and to listening to the Holy Spirit. And then... Um, So that's been helpful in my Bible reading is just take the pressure off. And it is a little similar to like yours, like the learning thing, but just feeling like I have to do it in a certain way and just saying, no, I can just be immersed in God's word. Um, But then I mentioned it on Sunday, but listening in prayer and just sitting with the Lord and not, not feeling like I have to perform for him, that I have to like have the right prayer list. I have to have the right rhythms of these things. I have to have read the Bible well enough. I have to like just sit in his presence, um, and be content with that has been a, um, a really critical, critical
1: piece for me. Yeah. I think the, actually that is very similar, Jay, to what I've experienced. I mean, the rigidity around the time, like when I was saying that, that that's related to feeling like it didn't go well, or I didn't do it long enough or, well, I sinned this much yesterday, so I better make up for that. by. So, you know, that None of those things are helpful when you're talking about relationship with somebody. They're helpful if you're talking about a rule book or a code or some sort of you know spell that you want to cast and you have to get it right. But we're talking about the living God. And so making up for faults through quiet time, earning his favor for the day through quiet time, none of those things help. And actually they deter us from encountering God as he really is. Mm-hmm. God is alive and loving us. And it's never about, am I okay with him? I'm always okay with him and Jesus. Right. So I get to connect with him from that point of view, even on the day that I feel like I've blown it more today than normal. Like those are the days when I most need to. And if I'm rigid and think about my quiet time in a performance oriented way, those are the days I'm not going to connect. So this morning, for example, for me, I did not sleep well last night. I had some interruptions uh, from animals overnight. And uh, animals that live in my house, not in the walls. Bears. Yeah, Oh, furry ones. No, not that kind. (laughs) No bears in the
0: walls. No, not that kind.
1: But so I woke up really tired. And still, I wanted to have some time in the Word. So I read a few Psalms that are designated. So that's a good uh, plug for having a plan because I knew which ones I wanted to read today. But I honestly couldn't tell you very much about what I read. Mm -hmm. And that is okay. I used to not be okay with that, right? It is okay though. And I just want to encourage you. If you feel like you have those days or weeks or months, it's okay. And you, you, what I would say to do with that is to tell God that like, I don't remember and interact with him. If, as long as your quiet time is causing you to interact with God, you're doing it right. If your quiet time right. Is, right. is making you not interact with him, something is not. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah. something's not so you,
0: That's so fascinating. Though. What a great point. Because you you could read the Bible, you could study the passage, look up all the commentaries, figure all that out, but if you didn't connect with God, then you you did it wrong. And vice versa, you could you could fall asleep while you're praying. You could be you could not understand at all what you were reading. But if you were if that was draw, driving you to prayer and to connecting with God well then you you did it you did it right and that's very difficult for those of us who feel that pressure of performance and perfectionism and i mean like i was thinking about that with the the makeup quiet time like if i missed a day the the next day like had to be twice as good and i couldn't even hit what i thought it was supposed to be in one day let alone trying to make up and double it and that's why, like, if, if I was suggesting a reading plan, by the way, um, some reading plans specifically have the dates attached to them, and some of them are just like day one, two, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not um, connected to the calendar. I would highly recommend a plan that is not connected to the calendar, because then you just just pick up. Don't try to make up the days, because if you take a year reading plan and you read it you read through the Bible in 14 months instead of 12 months. Is that a, is that a failure? No, it is not. No. And what I have, what I was bitten by so many times, I so many times in my life, Jeff, I would on January 8th decide I should, Oh, why didn't I pick a reading plan for this? Year? Well, it's too late now. Next January 1st. Yeah, it's only 11 and a half months away. Because I'll never, yeah, <laughs> I'll never be able to make up those extra seven days. And so I might as well just wait till the train comes around again. Do you realize how ridiculous that is? And like when I say it out loud, I don't think I would have articulated it that way, but that's what was going on in my head. And then if I fall behind a couple of days, well, now I'm just constantly behind. And what's so nuts about that is that God doesn't view it that way. You're the only one, if you view it that way, you're the only one that views it that way. And so just picking up, so like with you reading through the
1: Psalms in 30 days, like if it's 35 days, who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Because sometimes, say the plan that morning is to read three Psalms, but actually I get begin the second Psalm right. and I'm just struck by one sentence. I'm yes. done. I'm done. I'm just going to stay there. I don't have to finish it. Yeah. Um, or if I finish it, I'm. it's a quick read and that's okay if I don't remember the third Psalm. It's It's fine. It really is. The point is connecting with God. And then I think, you know, you touched on this too, then interacting with people in your life over what God is doing and saying. And those conversations also do not have to be, you know, from my experience, if I feel like they have to be super deep, I have to have a mini sermonette ready from what I learned, I am not going to do it right. I'm not going to do it at all. But if they can be, even this morning, I had two different people that it was a quick text message. About what they read. Yeah, that's it. And then I shared what I read. That's all. That's all it took just to connect over that and to center each other on God's word is really important. And that's not a hab- That's not a planned thing. That's a spontaneous interaction with somebody. But I would just encourage people: um, it doesn't have to be an hour long conversation over what you read. It can just be a few sentences right. with somebody in your life. And that right there, you realize that not only for us, but then for other people
0: because if i give a sermonette on what i read well then that sets the example for them that that's what they're supposed to have too yesterday i had this awesome moment where i was sitting with uh, my son and he just asked me he said so dad what did you read this morning and he like we ne- he never we because we've been talking about this and then he heard the sermon on sunday so or whatever and he asked and i thought like this this is he's doing it This is what it can be if we just say like, hey, so what did what did you read? And if the response is, and you know, I I missed this morning, like, then we have an opportunity to minister to each other, encourage people, and say, hey, that's all right, man. Like, you and you could even offer like, let's read right now. Like, what were you going to read? And or yeah, you know, don't worry about it. Like, get on the get on the horse tomorrow. Don't or tonight. Like, whenever you don't have to. You, you're not like trying to make up for what you missed. It's, it's the discipline of opening the present every day. You know, imagine if you put a present under a tree. We do it on Christmas Day. Nobody talks about the discipline it takes for a child to open a present on Christmas morning. Like, man, he got through all of it. Can you believe that? He had like 12 presents to open, and he opened every single one of them. Like, man... That endurance and discipline is amazing. Of course you don't say that. And if you missed one, nobody would feel guilty about that. And so I think I think that's important to just remind yourself that that it is God meeting us there and and feeling like a his his presence and a discipline is meant as like a means of grace. It's a it's an environment that we often recognize and understand and acknowledge the presence of God. And he gives us gifts in the in the middle of it. So, I would I would encourage people, um, you know. And there 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 are a couple of other things. I don't know how you like. What has what has the role what what role has place played in your quiet times? Do you have a specific spot or place or environment that you go to?
1: That's a good question. There there have been seasons where that's been the case. Like I had a whole year in my early 20s um, when I was working in Milwaukee where actually this happened on a bus every day. Mm. And I was surrounded by people, but I had these amazing interactions with God um, over his word. But right now for me, it, it actually, I don't have a specific place. I just, for me, I have to have it relatively quiet or just like soft music on something in the background. I, I have a really hard time doing that if there's a screen on in front of me or um, other people are talking in the room, mm-hmm. so I generally do need it quiet. Some people like the the sound, um, just because their their mind wanders less as they have something to fill it with. But yeah, do you have a specific space? I mean, I don't. I there's a couple of spots in my house that I'll gravitate
0: to towards towards depending on the time of day or depending on like how early in the morning and what's going on. Like right now, I I have a little side room that I shut myself in because the kids are getting up and getting ready for school and everything. However, that does bring up another thing that really kept me when my kids are small. So this is specifically for people who have small children. Small children do not respect your need for quiet time. And that's okay. One thing I wish I had done more when I was a younger parent with younger kids was let my kids interrupt my quiet time. Amen. And and I think I had a tendency to feel like I have to withdraw from them completely because if they see me, they're gonna want to like come up and crawl up in my lap. And I think, holy cow, I missed so many opportunities for them to sit in my lap while I read the Bible. And is my retention gonna be as strong? No. Is 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 my prayer time gonna be as focused? No. But like that's a gift for them to be able to observe that and see what mom or dad is doing. And so I just want to give freedom to young parents that you, it is going to look different, um, depending on your life stage. Um, it, it will look different, and that's okay. And you can commune with God in all of those different ways. I do think it's important to withdraw to to prioritize withdrawing at times, but it may look different. You know, we make a big deal about daily quiet times, and that's good. But Jesus, it doesn't say that Jesus did that every day. It said, "What as was his habit." like there was a regularity to it. There was an importance to it. Those are the kinds of things I think we need to have. I think, you know, maybe um, I've seen people do that where, uh, you know, like if you have a situation where one spouse works and the other one doesn't, like on the day off, the spouse that's been home with the kids can go and have like a quiet time. So maybe it looks like once a week you have like a specific time of solitude and quiet time, but the other times it's, it's like, I've had, I've known people who are trapped by their young children sleeping in the morning. And so they're like, well, I would get up, but I can't because my kid ends up falling asleep on me. And if I get up, they get up and I just can't handle that. Well, maybe listen to the Bible, like have your headphones sitting right there. You can quietly kind of reach them, put them on, listen and just sit and pray. I'm mean, like, I can't imagine a sweeter time to pray and connect with God than when you have like a you know, a five month old sleeping on your chest, like there's a sweetness to that too. And so like whatever your life stage is, remember like that it is communing with God. And, and so hopefully that's helpful.
1: Well, yeah, like that, that is why it's so important to keep in mind what it is about. Right. So if, if the child makes us and causes us to interact with God over what's happening there, like, could you help them be quiet for a minute? That's also part of it. That's also part of what this is all doing. I'm really glad you said that, though, because different seasons of life, this will look different. It just, that's how it is. And different seasons of life, it's easier to get alone than others. And all of us have different lives. The point is, do something. Like, try something. And, And don't let the obstacles stop you from just trying. Because some days it will work and other days it won't. And that's just fine. That's okay.
0: You know, and that reminds me, like when you're talking about learning, like that not being the main focus, it happens in worship too, when people think, well, I can't, if my kid is crawling on me, I can't focus on the sermon. And I think, well, that's okay. Because the main point of worship on Sunday morning is not to understand every point of the sermon. It's like, we want it to be like, I try, I work hard to communicate it in a way that's helpful and, and understandable and Um, It's good that that is a thing, but worshiping God with the family of God is the, that's the priority. And, and so we just, we put so much emphasis on the intellectual and, and that does get us into a lot of trouble. Um, But again, like, like you've mentioned, and we've both mentioned many times, that is not to say that the intellectual side isn't important. It is in its proper place. So that's really the heart of this. And so I I hope it's, I hope it's been helpful. Like this has been, I don't know if there's anything else, any other tips you have from the guru of quiet times?
1: Well, no, I think the other thought I had was if, if you are hearing this, we say this every week, but you know, a podcast might not be enough help for you. Like you might think "I, I need some more specific personal guidance in this. That would delight Jay and I so much. If you emailed us or called church and said, I want help getting a quiet time going, we would love to talk with you about it and to work through what are the unique challenges that you face, how are you wired, and what might work. We have all kinds of ideas on different reading plans and things, but um, it's hard to give one prescription because we're all so uniquely wired. Um, So please reach out if you're hearing this and you know you could use some extra help.
0: That's really good. And and if for no no other reason, you might talk to us and we might be like, man, you're doing awesome. Exactly. And like sometimes you just need to know that what you're doing is a healthy rhythm. Like, you know us, we're going to focus on the heart of that too of like, okay, well, because you could, you could say, well, I have a four hour quiet time every day, but it may not be, it may not be <laughs> pleasing to God if it's done in your own strength in your own self-righteousness and it's a task list and a a duty and you feel it it creates feelings of self-righteousness and pride um that's not good but man when we go to god in humility and and just meet with him and spend that time with him it is is wonderful and that's our desire to help you do that so yeah let us know how we can help you in that um i'm hopeful for this year man i'm excited to see what happens uh, every year, when whenever we do something like this, it's a certain percentage of people who jump on board. But there's always there's always a handful of people who will go through the whole year and do it when we've done reading plans or we've done anything like that together as a church. And so if that's you, I just want to encourage you in that um, and just know that like, we want to hear the stories of what God's doing. So if you... If from this you started a quiet time or recaptured something or God has taught you something through it, I would love to hear those stories. That's super encouraging to know what God is doing in people's lives. Um, So please share those with us um, that they can be an encouragement to the church. So I think that's all I appreciate you uh, Jeff's giving me the thumbs up. So that means I can, I'm clear to land, clear to land the plane. So if you, uh, as always, if you have any questions, let us know um, or feedback. Uh, We appreciate you taking the time to listen today. Hopefully it has been helpful and encouraging to you until next time. Grace and peace.